All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Did you end up watching both shows? I watched everything. You watched everything? I've watched it all. I'm so impressed. I, I've seen everything. I'm glad you're here. I had, like, <sighs> had a big glass of wine like an hour and a half ago. Uh-huh. And <laughs> like... I don't know what it was, but it like gave me a like a solid buzz. Nice. Like an hour and fifteen minutes it, ago. It gave you enough of a like wind to just Well, except in the last half hour I've really lost it. Like I've been sitting on my coast just kinda like doping. Oh, sorry. You know what happened was That's okay. The premiere actually started for seven thirty. Right. And I thought it was seven. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll be there for nine, but instead it was nine thirty. Yeah, so we're recording very, very late. It's very late. It's not a problem for me so much, but you have to get up early every day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not awful. I, I honestly haven't even changed my schedule that much. Like, I leave at around 10 after 8. Yeah, you I haven't found for... the crossing the bridge thing since you moved to be a problem? Not at all. I mean, but I guess the, the time where it, it gets awful is September when everyone's back to school oh, yeah. and everyone's officially off vacation. Right. But whatever. Plus, you take the now. you take the new bridge, right? Yes. It's very specific to Halifax. This yeah. segment of the conversation. <laughs> Inside baseball for Halifax. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's like a straight shot on the bridge. For anybody not from Halifax, there are two bridges that link the sister cities of Halifax and Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. We colloquially refer to them as the new bridge and the old bridge. The new bridge was built in 1972, I think. Yeah. The old bridge in 1955, is that what it okay. is? Okay, 55 makes sense to me. There yeah. is there is a bit of a difference between the two, but mm-hmm. that the new bridge is just a little younger than my dad. It's a little better. Yeah. <laughs> not better than your dad. But. It's not better these days. The, the old bridge has been given quite a little facelift. Yeah, I guess it has been. Is, yeah. is there really much of a difference? I think there There better more. be our friggin' tax dollars. I think it was more just maintenance stuff, though. Yeah, just keeping it. Becky and I were talking about this the other day. The idea of everybody, everybody's complaining that it's taking so long for them to do this, but the alternative is scrapping the bridge and building a new bridge, <laughs> or falling through the bridge while you're driving across. Well, yeah, the when, when your bridge was built in 1955, you kind of hope that they do take a couple yeah. years every now and then to shape it up. Good stuff, Halifax. I'll take not driving on it on evenings <laughs> and weekends. You do what you got to do. How's your week going? Uh, it's good. It's busy. It's uh, still a lot of house stuff going on. We're yep. fully painted. We're TVs mounted. That was a big deal. So I'm surprised it took you that long to get a TV mounted. Well, we had it on a table. Right. But we wanted to wait till it was painted to mount it. So uh, immediately after it was painted, we mounted it. Good. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> it's like it. wet paint all over the, the mounting unit. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And and now I don't want like the like there's more on the task list, but I don't, I'm like, eh, Jen, let's just accomplish one or two things a week. Like right. there's no fire for us to get all of these things done. So there is no rush. No. Isn't that bizarre that the place is yours, that like, it's not a one year lease. There's no like looming yeah. lapse of contract in the distance. There's no get your three months notice in. Yeah. There's none of that. It shit. makes you feel so much better when you fix something. Like I, my blind got all messed up the other day. And so I took it off the wall. This is a harrowing story already. (laughs) And I took it off the wall myself (laughs) and I like somehow figured it, it was kind of a weird blind system. Anyway. Right. I figured out how to fix it. Yeah. And it made me feel like a a homeowner and kind of a hero (laughs) because we could have paid money. We could have waited for one of our dads to come over. Right. But I said, no. Okay. You know what? Telling the story now seems shitty. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be reductive. In the moment, it was right before we watched Game of Thrones. You triumphed. 
and I triumph. Hey, you said Game of Thrones, so let's talk about the obvious. Let's get on it. The great vitriol of the week. And it's clearly a slow news week because... Yeah, it, this shouldn't be a big deal. Like, this is day three of people writing, like, long thousand-word articles about Ed Sheeran quitting Twitter because people are, like, trashing him for having been on Game of Thrones. So he, I, I watched he, that cameo. He quit again and then came back? Yeah, yeah, Because he, he just recently got back on... Or no, maybe that was Taylor Swift. No, no, he, he has also quit Twitter a couple times and he gave up on his phone. The moral of the story is Ed Sheeran shouldn't use social media because he's right. very sensitive to it. Yeah. And people are mean to... Yes. Uh, especially when you're that famous, when you've sold 20 million records mm-hmm. um, and little girls love you. Yeah. Even if you are talented, we've talked about this countless times, even if you are uh, objectively talented, there are always people out there who are like, oh, that guy who can't sing was on Game of Thrones. Right. I'll pass. Well, people just, if they already have an idea about him, they don't right. want him to be, and it was a fine cameo. It was like barely anything. It was like three minutes long. He sings a little bit. That's why it was sensible that he be in it. Right. Uh, but like I, I said this on the air today, like the drummer from Coldplay had a cameo in Game of Thrones a couple years ago. Right. Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol had a cameo in Game of Thrones a couple <laughs> years ago. That. But because these people are not as facially recognizable as, as Ed Sheeran, mm-hmm. people didn't care. Now, they, they were just extras. I'll say if it becomes a regular thing where it's like a flavor of the week celebrity that's going to be a, sure, that gets a little bit annoying. I don't right. think people would be on board with that. Right. I mean because they, at that point you're kind of doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, it's called stunt casting. Sure. It's not they're not the first show to do it. I mean, well, this is an example of well, stunt why casting. Why do they need to do it? <laughs> they don't, yeah. but uh, okay, let's look at it this way. You just went to see Dunkirk. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. What reason, what purpose is there for Harry Styles to be in that movie other than to draw? That's true. But but Harry Styles is one of those people that Ed Sheeran... Here's the other thing about it. Ed Sheeran is so recognizable as Ed Sheeran. Man, so, many, so is Harry Styles. No, no, no. He's really not in this movie. Like, Well, that's great. I'm it's glad kind to of hear a, that. It's a lot of movement going on, and he's not like a primary character. He's in probably a collective like 10 minutes of the movie. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, it's not constantly like, all right, he's the plan, boys. He's what we're going to do. That says to me even more. No, let's get Harry to do this movie. I hear he loved The Dark Knight. He'd probably take my call. Well, it's it's also weird because Game of Thrones is so top of everything 100%. Yeah. And then... So is Ed Sheeran. Yeah. So combining the two, I think it's just it's going to make a perfect storm of people hating on. It felt like oversaturation. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Oversaturation. Whereas with Harry Styles, you know, there's a lot of talented actors in it, and Harry Styles is like a very small part. And maybe this is just his foray into acting in the future, but it wasn't really. I don't know. I guess it was a big movie as well, but it just seems a little. If Harry Styles is on Game of Thrones next week, I'm going to stop watching Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Look, I mean, I understand people not wanting uh, superfluous stuff, like gratuitous fame in their their little cult show, but Game of Thrones is the most popular, the most blogged about thing yeah. in the last decade on TV. And so, well, maybe not a decade, but like... I'm it, surprised this is the first time that's happened. Yeah, yeah, kind of. You know? I, but like I said, there have been other minor cameos in yes. Game of Thrones. He just happens to be the most famous one. And it really only happened because he's buddies with Maisie Williams. Yeah. And so oh, is he? Yeah, they're buddies. So right. it, it probably came up, oh, hey, we need a guy who can like do a little soulful singing in a scene. Yeah. Do you think you can get so-and-so to do it? And he's we're, like, no, I'll do it. We're not going to get like Oprah or, <laughs> you know, 
George Clooney or something in Game of Thrones. That right. you know, those things would kind of suck. Right. Okay. So alternatively, mm-hmm. sticking super famous people in shit just to get people to go, oh, what the hell? Yeah. Let's 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 turn the page to um, toward a pharmacy. <laughs> oh yeah, a great example of it. Okay. But but I mean, I feel like it's totally different. It's not stunt casting. It's not stunt casting. It's the Lonely Island saying, "Wouldn't it be funny if we just like put this out there?" And Kevin Bacon replied, "Oh, I want to be in that. Sure, yeah, we'll and, write and you." And Jeff into it. Goldblum and uh, John Cena. John Cena was really funny. Oh, he's always really funny. He's a great actor. Yeah, he was really funny. There are a couple other like really weird ones in there. I mean, Orlando Bloom is very prevalent in it. Uh, Freddie Highmore. And then there's one other... Will Forte. Will Forte. There's one other cameo. I don't even know if I want to say who it is, except it's probably out there. You're going to make a comedy movie about doping in, in cyclists it's, it's culture. In the tra- it's in the trailer. It's known? Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know that. Becky and I were just sitting at the island and we were watching it on my laptop. And the the gag is Lance Armstrong is doing one of those uh, anonymous talking head uh, documentary segments where he's just a silhouette and the voice is that really deep voice that is like modulated so you can't tell that it's him. I think the the joke from the get-go was you're supposed to assume this is Lance Armstrong, but it really... It really demonstrated to me how familiar I am with Lance Armstrong's silhouette because I saw it and I was like, they did a good job. (laughs) I saw it and I was like, they really nailed the outline of Lance Armstrong. But right away, they reveal that it's Lance Armstrong. Immediately after I said that, they did. And then he's in it for the rest of the movie. And it's funnier every time. Keeps going back to him. Yeah. (laughs) I really respected it. I thought it was cool. It was very funny. He was on Stern about six months ago and they talked about it a lot. He's he's wise to talk about it. I listen to any podcast with Lance Armstrong. I just find it so interesting. There's such a weird... He has to basically say... Yeah, people are mad at me, and I'm okay that people are mad at me, and they yeah. deserve to be mad at me. Yeah. But, like, in every podcast, I'll kind of sneak in, but everyone's doing it, but it's okay, like, yeah. that you're mad I was going to say me. that. He's in this interesting position where he is, like, the poster child for doping, Yeah, but he knows how prominent it is. Yes. And he can't really... I mean, like you said, he can say it now and then, but he can't lean on it because then it sounds like he's making excuses for himself. Right. But he knows how prominent it is yeah and the other side of the coin is he won with all like if if everybody was doping then he's just all the more impressive as yeah. the athlete we originally thought he was <laughs> he's just the best biker who's doping like yeah. everyone yeah that's what bill burr always says yeah um, yeah let them take what they want <laughs> <laughs> he, he cycled for 13 weeks or whatever the freaking tour de france is did you laugh really hard at will forte's cameo because i think that might have been the hardest i laughed yeah and was that rashida movie. jones and the big sunglasses uh was it rashida jones or maya rudolph i thought it was Maya. well rudolph. it was also maya rudolph but um in in will forte's scene where he's like he, he he's like really horny yeah, he's talking to this female in big sunglasses I'm because sure he accidentally pricked himself with testosterone. Yeah, uh, I I'm honestly not sure. I at the time I didn't didn't or maybe I don't know. Honestly, I had a couple drinks when I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like but, it was funnier than I expected it to. Yeah, because I never saw Seven Days in Hell either. Ugh, but I should God. watch it. You got to watch that now. Seven Days in Hell is a little bit longer and possibly more ridiculous. Really, and more and pretty funny. But it's kind yeah. of a cult classic. Well, it just came out like two years ago. Yeah, no, well, yeah, okay. But, but people it, who are aware of it really think it's something special. 
I think so, yeah. yeah. Again, it was another thing that was just released on HBO as a fake HBO sports documentary. Yeah, really under the radar. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, sports documentaries, mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson might get her to prison like this week. Okay. That could happen tomorrow. Yeah. They're going to have like a hearing. Well, he was out of prison for a long time. He went into prison for what? Armed robbery or something? Yeah, but he's been in jail for nine years. That's a long time. Nine years? He's been in jail for what was, nine what years. What was he in? Nine years for armed robbery? Armed robbery and kidnapping. But a lot of people believe that it, he only got that harsh of a sentence as retaliation he, for skipping the bill on his yes. first issue. Sure. That man on his first issue. Skipping the bill on his first issue. <laughs> That's a very uh, light way of putting it. I didn't it plan it that way, but no, I'm happy it came out that way. <laughs> okay, we got a bunch of things we got to cover. Let's hear it. It's late. Uh, Emmy nominations. Let's go through them really fast. They came out last week, but there's some kind of bizarre ones. There's, okay. there's a. Have you taken a look at any of the? No, the I didn't. I prioritized watching the shows, which I did last minute and didn't get to look at the Emmys. I mean, everything you'd expect occurred. Mm-hmm. Like Handmaid's Tale um, is in there tenfold. Stranger Things. Sure. Uh, so I'll just read them off really quickly. The yeah. categories that matter. Uh, drama series nominees include Better Call Saul, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, House of Cards, which is stupid. Get over it. <laughs> Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. Now, This Is right. Us uh, nabbed the first network nomination in the drama category in eight years. What? It's been eight years since a network show? How so good it's cable's all been, been? HBO, AMC, everything like that, and then Netflix? And now apparently Hulu and Netflix. Right. Yeah. yeah. Comedy uh, includes, no, nah, these are obvious, Atlanta, Blackish, Master of None, Modern Family, Silicon Valley, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Veep. Now, I think this is an interesting category because obviously the perennial winner is Veep. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Veep is great. I've never given it like a long-term chance. We've done a podcast about it. But it really seems like this was the year of Master of None or Atlanta. Yeah. And if there was a year to upset Veep, it's probably this year. Mm-hmm. I think it would be Atlanta, if anything. Yeah, I would probably. love to see Master of None. Probably, although Master of None did extremely well critically. Yeah. They were both kind of out there. They so, is it second risky. season Master of None that we're talking about or first season? Yeah, second season. Second season. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Which was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, actress in a drama, Viola Davis, How to Get Away with Murder. Claire Foy for The Crown. She did win the Golden Globe. Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale. I'm calling it now. Sure. Carrie uh, Russell, The Americans. Evan Rachel Wood, Westworld. And Robin Wright for House of Cards. Cool. Actor in a drama, Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us, Anthony Hopkins, Westworld. That's kind of interesting. Yep. Bob Odenkirk, Matthew Reese, The Americans, Liev Schreiber, Kevin Spacey, Milo Ventimiglia. Who's uh, my, oh, Milo's the dude this, from This, this Is Us. Us. Yeah. Right. He's good in that, actually. Yep. Um, I'm a little bit surprised Mandy Moore didn't get nominated, actually. I thought, oh. she, was, I thought she was better than he was, to be honest. I, I was thinking the other day, just quick aside about Mandy Moore, wouldn't it be funny if on her on the heels of her This Is Us fame, she just went on tour for her original albums again? <laughs> <laughs> just did like a re- And people that were fans of This Is Us were just like, I guess we'll go see Mandy Moore. Well, she does sing a lot in This Is Us. Does she? Oh, yeah, okay. like she plays a singer in This Is Us. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she should really bust out those jams. Actor in a comedy, Anthony Anderson, Blackish, Aziz Ansari, Master of None, Zach Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis Baskets, Donald Glover, Atlanta, uh, William H. Macy, Shameless, and Jeffrey Tambor, Transparent. Now, those are all from different shows, and save only Shameless. We've done a podcast about all of them. We could do a podcast on Shameless. And we should, probably. Yeah. I think this is its last season. Uh, that's probably about time. It's probably about time. Probably about time. Comedy actress Pamela Adlon for Better Things, Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish, Jane Fonda, Grace and Frankie, Lily Tomlin, Grace and Frankie, Allison Janney for Mom, Ellie Kemper, Kimmy Schmidt, 
and Julia Louis-Dreyfus Revive. Uh, limited series, Big Little Lies, Fargo, uh, The Night of, and Genius. Uh, actor in limited series, Riz Ahmed, Benedict Cumberbatch, Robert De Niro, Ewan McGregor, Jeffrey Rush, John Turturro. That is a stacked category. Yeah. Holy moly. Wow. Um, skipping ahead a little bit. Supporting actors, John Lithgow, Jonathan Banks, Mandy Patinkin, Michael Kelly, David Harbour. That's Stranger Things. He's the chief. Right. Uh, That'd be cool to see him win, although that's another category that there's a lot of people that are already pretty celebrated in there john lithgow mandy anytime Patinkin, yeah anytime john lithgow gets in a and, and mandy Patinkin, and it's for matter. the crown by the way not for that other show that kind of got great reviews that we did a podcast about right what was it called trial and error did it get great reviews yeah it got like really great reviews. and it was just one season i don't know oh, okay it wasn't i think it was a mini series but it might come back <laughs> and do some more i don't know uh, supporting actress in a drama series, Anne Dowd, The Handmaid's Tale, Samira Wiley, The Handmaid's Tale, Uzo Aduba, Orange is the New Black, Millie Bobby Brown, Stranger Things, Eleven got nominated. Crazy. Chrissy Metz for This Is Us and Tandy Newton for Westworld. Uh, now, this is really interesting. This is kind of um, when we bring in Saturday Night Live into the discussion. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live's been around for, what, 44 years or whatever. Yeah. They got more nominations this year than ever before, which really highlights the fact that they had their big year ratings year. wise and uh, in terms of oomph Alec Baldwin got nominated for supporting actor in a comedy series okay now that's a different category than anybody else who was nominated uh, like Dave Chappelle and Lin-Manuel Miranda both got nominated for hosting but those right. were guest jobs mm-hmm. um, supporting actress in a comedy series Kate McKinnon Saturday Night Live Vanessa Bayer Saturday Night Live Leslie Jones Saturday Night Live Leslie Jones wow yeah 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 Catherine Hahn for Transparent. I'm a fan of hers. I've said that before. Now, this is a category I take issue with. Uh, variety talk series. Okay. Full Frontal with Sam B. Jimmy Kimmel Live. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. That was last week's last year's winner. Okay. The Late Late Show with James Corden. Real Time with Bill Maher. And The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. There's no way Jimmy Kimmel Live and James Corden should be nominated before Late Night with Seth Meyers. With the writing that their staff does for this, mm-hmm. the closer look segment, uh, and everything they've done since Trump got elected, there's no way carpool karaoke is better than the hard-hitting intellectualism that is Late Night with Seth Meyers. And who votes on this again? Members of the Academy, of the of the Emmy, Emmy Academy. Academy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not Academy. I don't know what the proper term is. Uh, skipping over some shit... Um, variety sketch series Billy on the Street Documentary Now Drunk History Portlandia Saturday Night Live and Tracy Ullman's show okay pause on Tracy Ullman's show what's I don't know. going on that? like that's what The Simpsons originally aired on that was what? the Tracy Ullman show right is now this maybe Tracy a different Ullman's thing sh- I think it is but I think it's still another variety sketch series I remember she had one on HBO a few years ago like we're talking like 10 years ago yeah and it was just not really that funny. And it was her playing a bunch of different characters she and really, recurring skits. She really kicked herself in the pants by being so vocal about how resentful she is of The Simpsons' success. Oh, I didn't know she did that. Yeah, she like really thinks she's entitled to royalties for The Simpsons. She's uh, never shut up about it in really? 30 years. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Host for a reality competition or... Uh, really? Oh, I don't care about that. I thought that was something else. Jeff Probst. Jeff Probst, he should get all the Emmys. He's so talented. Uh, oh, directing for a comedy series, Donald Glover. He got nominated for like four different things, which I was really impressed by. 
okay, this is mostly all, I think I've said pretty much everything I wanted to say, except I can't seem to find the one that was a little bit contentious for people in the blogosphere. Um, Shannon Purser got nominated for a best guest role in a drama series. She was Barb on Stranger Things. <laughs> See, at what point... That's really weird. It's really pandery is what it is. Yeah. Because there happened to be this weird... Because this, this character kind of bizarrely, arbitrarily became this folk hero, yeah. suddenly she's a great actress. It's almost like... We were talking about that yesterday. My friend said, when is Stranger Things coming back on? And someone made a joke about like, what happened to Barb? And I said, didn't they just show Barb like dead in the Upside yeah. Down? Like very briefly. Like well, and they kind of just walked by her and lot, she had like which worms is, coming Which out is kind of sick when you think about it. It was kind of dumb how like Nancy was her best friend and she didn't really care that much. No. She cared way more about Will Byers. Right. And her best friend yeah. being missing. Which which is fine, but she didn't do a, uh, that great of a job even in the show. No, she wasn't that special. She was in there for like, again, probably like five collective minutes. Maybe it was an oversight. Show. A little bit, but like that there was all of this. Is Barb going to come back next season? It's stupid. We saw her corpse. Honestly, I think Eleven is a little bit pandery too. Man, she Any, was good. Anytime they give a kid, uh, like, you know, there's going to be so... I, I'm just picturing the interviews before the show and stuff. Like, are you nervous? What are you wearing? Who's She's really good tonight? in interviews, though. Is she? Yeah, well, that's also part <laughs> of the narrative surrounding Millie Bobby Brown now, though, that she's like this cool pre-Natalie Portman. Uh. And... She's uh, like smoking weed on the red carpet. Sup, <laughs> <laughs> y'all? Who's here to party? Yeah, she hasn't had her Miley Cyrus 2013 MTV right. Awards moment yet. Right. She's just waiting for it. But yeah, no, I guess I no, should she be. She was good in that. I show. should be. Ha- she was good in that. Like, show. are there, is there really produce. no case of a child actor deserving recognition? That's true. Yeah, you're right. Uh, everyone in Stranger Things was good and, and very believable. And they announced that they're coming back on, I think it's October 27th. It's the Friday before Halloween, which makes sense. And there's a poster out. And the Duffer Brothers have said it's going to be scarier and bigger and better and bolder. Cool. Which is a great way to set us up for disappointment. <laughs> Let everyone down. Yeah. It's already dicey because it, it stuck so hard in that first season. Mm-hmm. But it left so much room for a second season. Have you noticed, though, that there's this new trend in experimental television whether it's on Netflix or Hulu or wherever it might be, where these showrunners go in and they don't want to let on that they want a second season. In fact, they're almost playing around with the public concept of, I don't think we really want another season. You'll notice notice Aziz does that a lot when people talk about the future. He's like, I don't even want to think about that. I don't know if we're going to do any more. He gets very defensive about it. And then when they announce there's going to be a third season of Master of None. He's like, yeah, we're really excited. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the same thing with, with Stranger Things. They were like, oh, I don't know if it's really right for a second season. Same thing with Big Little Lies. Same thing with 13 Reasons Why. It's almost like they want to say that just in case it doesn't get picked up. Which is fine to save face, but sometimes it is better if a thing was just once. Like, I don't know if they're going to do another season of The Night Of, and they probably shouldn't. No, definitely not. I mean, well, unless it's just a different story, it'd be like American true or true crime stories, and yeah. That but stuff. how did that work out for True Detective? Yeah, you're right. Aren't they? Are they doing a True Detective season three? They are, but it's been like three years since season two. Yeah, who's in season three? Do we know? I think I did hear. I think I did hear a rumor that it was like Owen Wilson and <laughs> wow. Lucy Liu or something ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. All right. So that's Emmy nominations. We got that covered. Uh, did you see that At Midnight got canceled? No. Well, they, they're kind of uh, spinning it as a mutual decision between Hardwick and Comedy Central. But sure. after uh, 
their 600th episode, which is in like a week or two. How did that happen so fast? It was like two years of, I guess they were just doing shows every night. They did three nights a week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's insane. I, I don't think it had the legs for it anyway. Like, there's not enough comedians and there's not enough no. topics. No, no, exactly. And it was very rich in its first couple seasons. Like, it yeah. was like a lot of laughs in the first couple seasons. Yep. You're right. It, it, it's, a kind of, it's the kind of thing that, that runs tired pretty fast. And I think he might still be on the verge of getting more famous, which is weird because he's like 45. Right. But I think he's still got another tier of fame to acquire. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it might not sh- stop at, at, you know, talk show host. I don't know. He's really good at it. He's he is no, very he's good. no actor, but he's you're like right. one of the great TV personalities. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I love Chris Hardwick. Me too. You know, the, people will start a hate parade on him, but I, I think he's a talented dude and good dude, on him for Why do people start a hate parade on him? I think I'm aware of that. It's just because I think he's so he's so engrossed in multiple things and he yeah. works so often on different things. But I'm like, man, good on him. He's a sober guy who's yeah. just working his ass off on multiple things. Oh, he definitely turned his addictive personality into professionalism. Yeah. I, I think it's probably this, especially since he kind of, um, uh, not uh, of his own volition, gets pegged as the king of nerd culture. Yeah, and I think that that's dangerous because well, he also runs a company called Nerdist. Like he sure. wanted that title. Well, I don't know. I, he runs a company called Nerdist because it celebrates nerd culture. But I don't think he asked for anybody no, to call yeah, him the, no one the, the call emperor him the of all nerds. And then people who <laughs> sure, identify, okay, 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 identify okay, okay. as nerds. Uh, really take issue with that they're like i don't this guy doesn't speak for me right especially since nerds are often maligned and they feel like outsiders and they don't like to be told who is who right. is them and and especially where i think chris hardwick is now kind of like he's almost like a bit of a pretty boy he's always wearing a suit but he's also like a it, nerd his culture wife guy. is a hearst like yeah. like he's going to have a billion dollars yeah when her when his father-in-law dies like <laughs> he is he is in the cool kids club and he was a director uh, the Hearsts are Hearst Media was a newspaper company. Like okay. they were, they were. You hear the term "captains of industry." Yeah. So like, Hearst is right up there with Rockefeller. Really? Yeah. Wow. And she's just a model. She, yeah, that's what. Yeah, I guess. I, not she's just a, a model, a mo- guess, but, but she's an ambassador for the Hearst family brand. I think <laughs> like there is a place called Hearst Castle. Right. Yeah. Which is wild. Oh, um, Dan Harmon. Announced today, he's going to do a Sirens of Titan TV series. What is that? It is one of the lesser-known Kurt Vonnegut novels. Oh wow! Which Sire- is interesting wow. because That's it's cool. it's it's my friend James's favorite book of all time. I had to send him the article. It's called Sirens of Titan. Sirens of Titan. It's sci-fi. Okay. Um, and I have read it. I've never read Slaughterhouse Five. Oh man, you got to read it. I love Kurt Vonnegut. I I think. Dan Harmon could do a good job of it. Well, and it's interesting because there's never really been a successful mainstream Vonnegut adaptation because he's so weird. Yeah. But Harmon's weird. Yep. So I guess we'll see. No, I've read I've read Breakfast of Champions and I've read Sirens of Titan and I've read a couple short stories in this book I have called Welcome to the Monkey House. Um, so I like Kurt Vonnegut a lot. Yeah. When I was, when I was writing this book that I've written, uh, I was reading Kurt Vonnegut quotes towards the end and one really struck me because I realized it was it was advice that I had taken without realizing and it was articulated for me and it mm-hmm. was it was awesome. The advice was start as close to the end as you possibly can. Right. And that's like, I never heard it put that way before but, way back from there. but I thought like well did I do that? Yeah I guess I did. Sure. Because the whole story takes place over two days but there's all this history in it. Yeah. And he, I think I, that's I what 
I don't think I've, done. I don't think I've finished Breakfast of Champions, but that's one that kind of jumps around all over the place, right? I remember not really getting it. I was in high school. Yeah. I remember having a hard time with it, but I really like I like his wisdom. Yeah. Slaughterhouse Five is amazing. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that, and it's not. A, it's like a quick read. Yeah. Anyway, so Dan Harmon's awesome. going to do a TV series of Sirens of Titan. That's really interesting. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the weakest link is coming back. Oh God. <laughs> It's funny because sometimes as a joke, I will just say, goodbye. Right. You are the weakest link. It's weird. I don't think I've heard anybody vocally reference the weakest link in a decade. Like, I think it no. went away and like, I've never heard you reference the weakest no, link. No, I, I sometimes say it with Jen where I just like, <laughs> before I walk out the door, I'm like, goodbye. So it's coming back in the UK. I don't know if it's going to get picked up by NBC or I whatever. shouldn't. But, um, but Anne Robinson's coming back because it's not the weakest link without her. Here's here's one thing about game shows recently. Have, have we haven't talked about this at all? But the Gong Show. Have you seen any of these trailers? <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but it's like a big thing. I kind of love it with Mike I, Myers. Yeah, yeah. And he's basically in uh, in full dress as Tommy Maitland. Yeah, a, he's in a character a British. He's wearing like a fat suit or like a ton of makeup and yeah. Like trying to have a cheeky fun time. Isn't it interesting that slapstick Mike Myers was able to pull out another British character and actually not be hated for it? I know. I love it. I I wish the Love Guru took off. I didn't see the Love Guru, but I just like... Except for how incredibly offensive it was. I always cheer for (laughs) Mike Myers, no matter what. Yeah, me too. I like Mike Myers. Last time he was on Seth Myers, he told a, a story about Halifax. No way. He told a story about... Yeah, he told a story about being on his book tour... Where of where I got a signed book from him after right. making a is that what cool he was joke? In, why he was in Halifax? I mean, how many times has he been in Halifax? But he mentions Halifax, and then like one person from the crowd whoops, and he goes, "Oh, are you a Haligonian?" And yeah. then and then Seth just kind of like awkwardly laughs because he's never heard that term before. Right. And he tells this story about meeting a really weird guy in Halifax. The story's not about Halifax at all, but it takes place in Halifax, and he says Halifax like five or six times, times in the preamble. Perfect. Uh, anyway, the weakest link is coming back, and the, gong, and, and the Gong Show is a new thing again. And there's a Candy Crush game show, and what? there's a Words with Friends game show. What? Oh yeah. Okay, I didn't know any of this. Oh yeah. That's ah. the other thing with Hardwick is that he's got his show, The Wall, and that like does very yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I mean, either. I'm on board with it though. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Are you up on the Muppet drama? No. It's Muppet drama, man. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Why? So this guy, Steve Whitmire, okay. has been the voice of Kermit the Frog for 27 years. He's the only person to voice Kermit the Frog other than Jim Henson himself. He's been Kermit the Frog for our entire lives. Yep. Anything that's been made with the Muppets in our lifetime. Actually, Colin, I turned 28 last week. Okay, so <laughs> as soon as you were born, Jim Henson died? Is that what we have to that's understand from this? To that's say. what I glean from this, that your very presence on the earth I killed was, Jim Henson. I was alive for a second. <laughs> I'm a Jim Henson purist. <laughs> uh, John Candy died a few hours uh, before my brother was born, so we've often joked that Ross is John Candy Ross reincarnated. Oh, God. Oh, oh that's good. Reincarnated. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I like uh, to think that. So this guy, Steve Whitmire, yeah. has been every modern Kermit the Frog depiction but he got fired by Disney Muppet Co. Or whatever they're called hmm. this week. Actually, he got fired like in October, but it just came out this week. He wanted too much money? No. As it turns out, they fired him for uh, inappropriate business conduct. Oh. Like they didn't like him. 
<laughs> it's really and so like uh, both Jim Henson's son and daughter have come out in defense of Disney and they're like no this was the right choice really? because they started to develop this narrative you remember a year or two ago when the Muppets had an ABC primetime TV show yep I was, well, like, I was like, wasn't that last year? Yeah. I was like the only fan of it. Sure. I liked it. Yeah. But a lot of people hated it. Um, a lot of people thought it really didn't capture the tone of the Muppets. Yeah. Um, and there started to develop this narrative that Steve Whitmire tried really hard in that production to convey to Disney that this show was not conveying the tone of the Muppets. Like that he was a champion for purity in the Muppets. Sure. Um, and that Disney is the one who was... Uh, diluting it right and so now that that narrative has started to kind of go in the other direction now that like henson's blood has come out to say no this guy's an asshole wow we don't want him to be kermit anymore this is the right choice but it's going to be weird because next time we see kermit he's already been recast by some like in the family some guy who's going to sound exactly the same probably not exactly the same he's probably going to sound just just ever so subtly different and it's going to be off-putting for 27 years (laughs) We were just getting used to the last guy. Oh no! Um, it wasn't a Kevin Cash situation, though. He was—he wasn't like having relationships with teenagers or anything. Remember that? That was Elmo. Elmo, yeah. Ugh. I I wanted to ask about that because that was right after this big documentary had been released about it was an him. Awesome being, documentary. I didn't too. see the documentary. It was like so uplifting. It was about like achieving your dreams. Yeah. And, like, he's just this awkward kid who like loved puppets, and he got to be Elmo. Right. And then it came out that he was super gross uh, uh, and and like while it was coming out i was like come on like don't be true and then like at first like, when the cosby thing started happening and you're like oh please no please no and then you just can't deny it anymore yeah honestly yeah. i didn't even really give that one the benefit of the doubt i just thought no. eh, that's probably right he always seemed like an asshole that bill cosby yeah it's funny how bill cosby can come out the the <laughs> the villain in every story yes even, even if it's got nothing to do with him even talking about alma uh, oh, let's, we got to talk about Doctor Who. As, right. as stupid as it is to even refer to it as a controversy, it was like it was uh, kind of not unlike the Ed Sheeran thing. It was like there was just some trolly people who had their who had their say. Definitely about Jodie Whittaker being cast as the new Doctor mm-hmm. in the in the next series. Right on uh, <laughs> on Reddit, there were some things going around. It was a Futurama GIF that was basically someone saying. I have no feelings on this one way or the other. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I also don't have any feelings on this. Were one they, way or t- were they considering her all along? Was she one of the front runners, or she, was it? I don't know about that. But it has been discussed as it has been with James Bond, although a little bit more seriously. Yep. That the Doctor could conceivably be played by a woman, and and I think we talked about that on the podcast. I'm sure we, we did. did. And the point is, that the character is really neither male nor female. The character is an alien, and really a non-sexual being. Is the character an alien? An alien. A straight-up alien. An alien not from this planet. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. And so, like, th- today there was something on... I just saw it like an hour ago. Somebody had tweeted that Charlize Theron should play James Bond. And it's just not the same. Like, right. I've said it many times, and I have to be careful, because, again, like, I'm a man... And this is my male privilege. Um, but Charlize Theron could play lots of badass people. And we, maybe we could work on making her iconic. Or maybe we could have her play some other iconic woman. Mm-hmm. But it is inherent in the James Bond character that he be a womanizer. Right. And like, it's just it just muddies up the character if you're doing it just to patronize people. It just feels like, like patronizing mm-hmm. to make James Bond a woman. But I don't know. It doesn't feel or, that or, way. Or, or pandering. 
that's sorry that's kind of what i mean yeah um yeah it doesn't feel that way with the doctor but again i'm not as familiar with the with the franchise yeah i uh i don't know why i mean charlie's there and she got a fast and furious movie i feel like that's on the same level or one day will be viewed <laughs> as the same level she was on stern today i haven't listened to it yet I, I don't really know how i feel about her oh i'm a fan i've never really seen her in a thing no you didn't see her in arrested development no oh i just really liked her in arrested charlie's theron was in arrested development yeah she played she actually played a and i'm wondering if that's why people are pushing for her to be a 007 because she kind of plays a british spy and one of like a series there's like three episodes and one of them's called for british eyes only that's a good point she's, british eyes that's only. a good point she's not british no why so would why you? are we having this discussion i honestly think because of arrested development oh uh, she so bullshit. Feigned, uh, she's south african actually oh is she yeah south african she, yeah but she doesn't really have she her accent is very american yeah yeah non-regionally specific american that's right it's weird did you see the trailer for the disaster artist no, uh, it's James Franco, though. So are you familiar uh, with The Room and all of its legacy? Uh, the movie The Room? Yeah. Uh, no, no, explain. Okay, so in 2003, this very weird eccentric person named Tommy Wiseau uh, drums up a bunch of money by illegally importing leather jackets from overseas and selling them and makes a small fortune and spends all of his money funding a movie a film production of a screenplay that he wrote he knows nothing about how to make films but he holds open casting calls and he submits his film to a bunch of festivals and it actually gains a lot of traction not because it was interesting or compelling but because it was phenomenally bad okay. it was the most profoundly poorly made movie ever seen by professionals in the industry okay you're jogging my memory here. there are so many scenes where the camera's not even focused you can see the boom mic hovering over top. Right. People don't know their lines. The ADR is skewed. The acting is abominable. It's just in every way an atrocity. Did you see it? I've never seen it. Becky and I have okay. plans to watch it. Okay. I've been reading about it. I sure. find it interesting. And it's like it's become this fixture of fascination for artistic people to watch this movie. And it's almost it's almost done a 180 now that it's been um, criticized so heavily that it's almost beloved now and considered in some backwards way a masterpiece of sorts. Sure. Um, and so this guy, Greg Sestero, who plays Mark in The Room, who plays the other guy opposite Tommy Wiseau, okay. um, was a professional actor who just took a job. Right. He took the job and he wrote this book about the experience of making the room with Tommy Wiseau, and not really in a uh, making fun of him kind of way. Like oh, they're that's good. like they're friends. Yeah, they've become friends, and they've made another movie together since. But he wrote this book called The Disaster Artist, right? And James Franco has adapted it into a film called The Disaster Artist, which he's directed and is starring in. And the trailer came out this week. It's shown at Sundance. It's supposed to be excellent. Is it like a Seth Rogen movie? Seth or? Rogen is in it, but okay. he's not like, it's not like a Seth and Evan movie. No, okay. That's what I was thinking it was. Yeah, no, it's, it, uh, Franco directed it. Right. And Dave Franco plays Greg Sestero. Okay. And Alison Brie is in it, and Paul Shear is in it. Wow. And this it's coming out awesome. in December. I'm excited for that. It's a comedy? Or is it kind it's, of a, This is going to be a comedy for sure. Right. Uh, the Room isn't really a comedy. No, no. I want to know what The Room's about. Do you know what the plot? Yeah, it's about this guy who's like married uh, and his best friend Mark sleeps with his wife and it's about... 
There's like this very famous moment from the room and it's what the trailer actually makes fun of it spends the whole trailer making fun of this very famous moment <laughs> where uh tommy was bursts through a door and he starts like insisting that he didn't hit her i didn't hit her i didn't hit her and then he says oh hi mark have you ever been on reddit and you've seen the phrase oh hi mark h-a-i oh hi mark no, I don't. that's a reference to the room. Oh, it's interesting. very awkward. Okay, very awkward acting, and <laughs> that's what the that's what the trailer makes fun of. Anyway, I'm very excited to see this movie because I think it's just going to be nuts. Yeah, awesome. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think I'm a big Dave Franco fan too. Yeah, I like Dave Franco. You know, what a what a character to hitch a ride to. I remember seeing him for the first time in Twenty One Jump Street. I mean, he had been in little things, I guess, previously, but I didn't really, <laughs> right? Didn't really focus on him before. No, I mean, he was in for two seconds in Super, Super Bad. Bad. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he he was like prominently in Twenty One Jump Street, and I remember not knowing who he was, but I was amazed by how much he reminded me of James Franco. I was right. like, he talks exactly like you James totally Franco. It's so, and then he was James Franco. The same thing happened with me and uh, uh, Zoe Deutsch when I saw Everybody Wants Some. I was like, this. This person is so much like the mom from Back to the Future. It's stunning. And she's her daughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. I have a sense for these things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, he's also married to Alison Brie. I finished watching... Um, Who's well, married to Alison Brie? Dave Franco. No. Yes, they are married. What? They are each well, other's When betrothed. did this happen? Like last year? They've been, together, had, they've been together for years, dude. Years. I had no idea about that. Yep. How did that not come up when we were talking about Glow? I don't know. It Weird. didn't, though. We had plenty to say, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I watched Glow. I finished watching Glow. Did you like every bit about it? Yeah. Marin was the best part. Yeah. He nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might have watched it by the time we I had about I it had much. seen most of it, I think. Right. Yeah, I'd seen like eight episodes. Nice. Yep. Do you want to get to other things? Do you want to get to these shows? We can get to shows. Sure. All right. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to recap... This new Netflix show, Friends from College. Okay. Uh, I guess. I don't... I, I guess I am. Let me get the timer ready. Gee, I don't really know. I should have gone over this in my head. There's just so much sadness <laughs> oh, in this gotta, television gotta show. How to deal with it now. All right. On three, two, one, go. Keegan-Michael Key is having an affair with this girl he hooked up with in college, but he's also married to Kobe Smulders. And at the same time, they're moving back to New York, and the six best friends from Harvard that they once were are going to be living in New York City at the same time together. Keegan-Michael Key's next novel gets canceled by his publishing firm. His, uh, his, his manager is Fred Savage. They have a dinner party in which it comes out that he's going to give up and he's going to write young adult fiction rather than this great American novel he had been planning. Everybody's really sad and cheating on one another. <laughs> That was a good, uh, you did the best you could. That wasn't that bad. I was no. okay with that. Yeah. Honestly, not a whole lot else happens. Everyone sucks. There's no. A lot of bad people. A lot of bad people. Bad like, people. Like there's no, who was I supposed to be rooting for in that? Nat Faxon? He's <laughs> in for like 10 yeah. seconds. Yeah. You know what? I kind of rooted for Kobe Smulders. She doesn't do anything wrong in it. Yeah. And I actually, I actually think it's ridiculous that he would cheat on Kobe Smulders. First of all, Kobe Smulders is way hotter than this woman he's been hooking up with you're right i mean as she's far as also, desirability goes she also clear... believes in him yeah like so why like it's not like he's hooking up with some woman who still entertains that he's great right meanwhile his wife doesn't believe in him like she wants him to be the great artist he once thought he was like why wouldn't he love her for yeah. that i find it so dumb 
I know. And then, yeah, every couple, like, I, w- I couldn't get behind any couple. No. And the way it ended with... I actually liked that final shot. Did you? Where he was... Uh, continuing his affair upstairs and you could see upstairs and downstairs at the same time. But downstairs was just like mingling, mingling, but also more specifically Kobe Smulders doing a seal impression while people clapped (laughs) and tried to throw food at her. What's interesting is this first episode was not at all what the original trailer for this show was set up to be. It was implied that the show, that the inciting action of the show would be that these friends got back together and had a wild night of cocaine and booze and in and just debauchery oh. and that they would have to deal with their mistakes the from that from that night for the rest of the series and that's maybe the really, whole series is the night maybe they're gonna i don't know i don't like when series do that when yeah. seasons do that you're right it's so forced. there's way too much to put in there yeah it doesn't work yeah i th- i thought that this show was trying so hard to be the anti-friends it was, it was almost trying, like it was like oh we're going to have a uh, we're going to do a show that would highlight in a realistic way what it'd be like if these codependent incestuous groups of friends actually spent all their time together. It was almost like a like looks wise it it wanted to be happy endings. Yeah. But then feel wise it was closer to I don't know uh, scandal or (laughs) something you know what what i realized at the end was i didn't hate it i I, wanted to hate it i had i I had no problem getting through it but i i don't know that i could tolerate a whole lot of episodes of it yeah no i don't think i'll watch anymore only because it was so cynical it was just so cynical and not just about not just about love but just what about team fiction (laughs) Well, I can talk about that in a second. Yeah. But I just mean relationships <laughs> in general. I think like the friendships are are now feeble and weak. And it kind of like the underlying message, even aside from all the affairs that are happening, is after a little while, you and your friends won't care about each <laughs> your other anymore. Friendships will die. Yeah. And you'll cheat on your friends. And you'll just spend your, your you'll spend your whole friendship trying to recapture the joy of youth. And they were talking a lot which about... Which only exists retrospectively. A whole underlying thing was, oh, we're going to be like so competitive with each other once we all get together. And that didn't really happen at all. Nope. They were like, what was the competition they were talking about? There was I don't no, know. There were no real fights. They were all like, just the couples were fighting with each other. There was... I didn't understand that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that was a, a big through line there was, that was brought up a couple very times. very judgy. Like, I don't know her name, but the woman who Keegan-Michael Key is sleeping with... Her husband is like just an unbelievable. Like I don't, I didn't believe how big of an asshole he was at all. Right. Though I laughed out loud so much when he called Lisa pizza. <laughs> I don't. Know. I think I missed, missed that. that. So Lisa, uh, Kobe Smulders, her name is Lisa. Yeah. And when she introduced herself, <laughs> he said pizza. He, he was like Lisa, 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 pizza, pizza. <laughs> okay, and I then later that. on, he called her pizza. Told her Oh, Sweets loves like, this show. He's watching every episode. He said it so dryly. And then his wife was like, it's Lisa. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you're a huge fan of this show. No, that was a funny moment. Fan but boy. I hated him. He was such a jerk. Yeah. I want to like anything that Fred Savage is in. Fred Savage was, like, weirdly, backwardly likable in it. I mean, yeah. like, he, his character was saying unlikable things. He was not a supportive person. No. 
But <laughs> you're literally crying right now because you were laughing. So uh, pizza. <laughs> this is so funny. I need to go back and watch that. You know why part. it's funny? Because it's not the tone of the show at all. It's right. not what the show was. Right. It was like such a slapsticky joke. And also, I forget that actor's name. He always reminds me of Greg Kinnear, but mm. he's uh, he's very famous for being an Ally McBeal, but was a weird, really weird role in yeah, this. And it like, was. like wasn't you say he was an asshole but he wasn't like a mean guy was he he just he was he was like he was outwardly judgmental of everybody and like didn't care at all about anybody really he was very yeah he was very like he didn't hide at all that he couldn't have cared less about his wife's friends or the fact that he had to spend time with them yeah i thought he was just kind of like a bit of an idiot (laughs) <laughs> he was that too. <laughs> I, li- I liked Fred Savage. I liked the conversation at his office with uh, with Keegan Michael Key about about uh, what people are consuming. When he said um, "death ball," you could write "death ball." <laughs> what is "death ball"? Were you watching the show? Do we watch the same show? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I feel like I was dazing out, baby. This, like, so- this happens sometimes in the podcast where I think I didn't like a thing, and then I we talk about it, and I really, liked it. You really like it. God damn. Well, I'm happy that I'm showing this to you anyway. It makes me want to watch the episode again. I we definitely watched the, the we watched the same episode because we've already referenced the same thing. The dinner party and everything. Yeah, yeah we definitely watched the same pilot. I, I did want to defend that, in fact, I do think uh, YA fiction can be like transformative can can be excellent literature i do in fact think that like that was a through line joke throughout the show as well well that's because the idea is that he's going to settle by writing some version of twilight rather than the great american novel well like that was a discussion that they were having though was was a lot of young adult is the new great american novel that was an interesting observation that harry potter is the great american novel because of what it does for industry because of what economically what it becomes and i thought that was kind of interesting one of my favorite if not my all-time favorite books is holes because i think it's written for for like 13 year olds but it is as sophisticated a story as anything that's written for adults in fact i would go so far as to say holes is the great american novel it's about opportunity and greed and exploitation Mm -hmm. and overcoming that's what the great american novel is and the same can be said for Hunger Games, in a way. I mean, it's like it's it's written for teenagers, but it's no more post-apocalyptic, weird, science-y than Vonnegut or um, this guy Ernest Klein, who's now like the the new authority on such things. So I don't know. I, I, He's a new guy. I need to know about some of these new writers that are just writing books on the internet. I mean, so. it's not not that. Ready Player One is the great American novel, but it's in oh, a way. Ernest Klein is the writer of Ready Player One. Yeah, and like okay. it, it, according to Fred Savage, it is you know based on right. what what his assessment is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's a it's a different angle of criti- crit- critiquing culture. Have and you the, read it, Ready Player One? No, I haven't. No. Also, T.J. Miller's in it. He's gonna be in yeah. the movie. T.J. Miller was on a talk show today. So just, I I don't even remember what it's called, but he, I watched this uh, internet talk show sometimes, which gets really good guests. And he was on it promoting Emoji Movie today. And I'm over that dude. We, we he is were, so righteous. We watched his stand-up special. And it wasn't... It had its moments. Yeah. It wasn't great. No, I but heard it, it wasn't great. But you would laugh a few parts at it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Unless you had it out for... Unless you went in with like I don't, the... I'm not I don't have it out for him, but he's just like... The way he's been talking lately is just really like self-righteous. Like He talks about the Emoji Movie. Like The way he described it is that it's... 
it's an original idea. He's like, finally, an original idea. Right. What are you talking about? Yeah. Anything that starts with the and ends with movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or the fact that the, the premise is the same as Inside Out. So right. it's it's fundamentally not an original concept. Although I and guess the Lego on, movie is a the and movie movie. I thought that was pretty original. Although it was based on a commercial property. Yep. So again, not That's really. True. And he said that it transcends language because it's about emojis and emojis are the universal language he it's also such that, a highfalutin he, appraisal of a stupid movie right he also thought that yogi bear 3d was the best thing he's ever done yeah that's true he has like like really said that with conviction yeah why do you think it was important that the friends from this show the friends from college were friends from harvard I, I honestly didn't pick that up either. I don't think I cared about the show at all, Sweets. You were I was paying not attention. I was not paying attention. And that so rarely happens with yeah. a show yeah. that I'm legitimately I mean, some work stuff came up and I was texting through it and like I gotta focus on one or the other or else I'm gonna miss but things. To but. my point, it didn't matter. Like yeah, they, they I was responding it, to They text. said it once or twice yeah. and you missed it and it didn't influence the plot at all. Like it would be the same show yeah. if they were six friends reuniting from having been friends at any old college. Right. It didn't have to be this very storied, specific college that people really attach certain ideologies and symbols to. Yeah. They should have just made up a college. Yeah, just any old college. I yeah, I'm really not sure. Maybe maybe the, it's just to give everyone a bar for how they're supposed to be doing at this point in their life. I mean, I guess so. I'll I'll attach that meaning to They're all successful. Yeah, that they're all well. They're all successful, kind of in their own way. They're all successful, but not as successful as they want to be. And not necessarily stoked about it. No. You know, a lot of them are are still pretty upset. And there's that whole thing when you're finishing university where you think, oh, okay, now I'm working. I'm going to be rich. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And maybe this is to portray, listen, college was not, college was probably better than where you were. Which again is so cynical. Yeah. Yeah, Another example of, I guess the best example of of how that husband guy is an asshole um, when he's meeting Keegan-Michael Key, who I guess is kind of the main character of the six, at least in the pilot. Yeah. Um, he introduces himself and he says, yeah, I'm a, I'm a writer or I'm a novelist. And without skipping a beat, as if it doesn't matter, this husband says, oh, I don't read fiction. Did you catch that part? Uh, yes. Do you Have you ever had that happen when you tell people you work in radio? Or is that just a thing? Oh, I don't listen to the radio. Or is that just a thing that happens to announcers? No, no, it definitely happens to me. Actually, a new neighbor that I met the other day, I said... I work for uh, Q104, and it was a lot of like, oh, well, I listen to CBC. Yeah, I get that too. Cool. I get that too. (laughs) Basically saying, I don't care for what you do. Right, yeah. Oh, I I I said Q104 and Mix 96.5. I should clarify. Yeah, that's fine. But like, I think think he was actually a lot more supportive of Mix 96.5, so maybe he's just not a classic rock fan. It's funny you say that, though, because I got that the other day. I don't remember exactly where I was, but somebody said to me, I'm really more of like a CBC2 guy. Yeah. And like, okay. The other thing, he then said, what's classic rock? And I was like, are you just asking me yeah. this so you can show that you're old and how it used to be normal rock? So so what yeah. I said was, I, you know, like Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. And he yeah. was like, oh, I'm so old. <laughs> I was Shut like, up. I was like, you knew that was coming. Yeah, you knew Led Zeppelin was the 60s. They're a classic rock yeah, band. It's, it's not like you just woke up and suddenly Led Zeppelin was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I was like, uh, yeah, you know, I provided many examples. The Eagles, uh, 
CCR, you know. I hate that this guy. Is, this is all considered classic rock. Good he Lord. also, okay, I'm going to say this too. He also, while we were talking, he seemed like Who is this person to you? He's a neighbor. Okay, all right. So new neighbor. He also alluded a couple times to me not understanding things because I was too young. I hate that. Can you imagine? So, so he's like, he said like, oh no, that guy was a real, really nice guy. You know, there's some people that are, that are like jerks and other people are just idiots but like you'll understand this when you're older he was like a super nice guy i'm like you think because of my age i don't understand (laughs) what a nice guy versus an idiot is (laughs) like i find that a uh, and uh, i just kind of said like oh yeah no no definitely and i was like no you know i think he was like no no but seriously like once you get a little bit older it's like he's just trying so hard i'm like almost Almost 30? I don't know. I yeah. feel like I've got a bit of a feel for that now. It's nothing to do with age. He was just desperate for an excuse to use the phrase, you'll understand when you're older. Yeah. That's obnoxious. I know. But then, like, they also kind of invited me over for, they said they were going to, oh, what kind of, like, food do you guys like? Oh, maybe we'll, like, get together for a barbecue or something. Ugh. So I don't, I don't know that he realized how kind of pretentious he was being. I don't want you to go. I know. I'm going to go. No, you're not. Oh, God, I'm giving him a second chance. That sounds like the worst. All right, have we said everything we need to say about friends from college? Do you I give, think so. Do you give it your S? No, of course not. Me neither. No. Yeah. Even even if I do watch a couple more, I didn't remember like seventy five percent. It is so cynical and pointless. Yeah. And and I like people in it. Yeah, I know the cast is awesome. Yeah, the cast is it really had a lot of potential. Kind of a shame. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll go somewhere. Who knows? It's, it's too bad. It's, too it's bad not for getting gr- good reviews though, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. It's too bad for the grinder. I know. Grinder had its moments. It did. It really had some funny moments. Good show. Did you finish the whole season? No, I didn't really watch that much, actually. I probably right. watched like five or six. But there was some enjoyable watching. Definitely. Um, so the second show that we're going to do is one that I've wanted to do and one that I've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, we have talked it through a little bit, but that's okay. But I actually didn't have any idea what the show was going to be about. Well, it'll be interesting to hear you do a recap of it because it wasn't so much a narrative. No, I think I can do it in way under 30 seconds. All right, well, we'll try your best to recap The President Show in three, two, one, go. Okay, so Anthony Atamanek is uh, portraying President Trump on this show. It's basically like, you know, kind of a mix between Saturday Night Live and The Colbert Show. So there's some streeter stuff that he's doing. There's some in-character stuff with him and Mike Pence. And there's even an interview portion of it. And that's basically it. It's It's... The Colbert Show with a streeter, but all done as Trump. Right. Okay. What? <laughs> What's wrong with you that? You didn't say anything specific about the show. You didn't say that Keith Olbermann was the guest, or that there was no. this. There was this whole. There's a different guest every week. Yeah, but we talked about the pilot. We talk about pilots. Yeah, I guess so. Well, there's this whole I mean... ten minute segment where Trump loves trucks. That was <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that was very funny. I just didn't want to give anything away. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the overall premise. I the the trucks thing happened again this week. By the way, there was like a, a, a video of Trump getting into a fire truck, and he's like gripping the wheel really excitedly, <laughs> and he's like, "Where's the fire?" And if you <laughs> he's acting it out, Seth Meyers made fun of it. If you zoom out on the picture, you can see in the rearview mirror of the fire truck Sean Spicer taking a photo of Trump. No, 
So every time we talk about a new show on the podcast, I go to IMDb Trivia and see if I can find little facts sure. about the show to mention in the podcast. And on the President Show, which has only been on for a short time, mm-hmm. there's only two facts on the IMDb Trivia page. Okay. And I want you to read them. I've okay. screenshotted them. I want you to read them from my phone in the order that they appear. Okay. So I'm about to read these out loud. In interviews, the American flag on his lapel is upside down. An upside down flag means distress. The show's about Donald J. Trump, who is a president. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of buried the lead. (laughs) The show is about Donald J. Trump, who is a president. If you not even the president, is a president. It's it's almost like a little commentary on the idea of isn't that dumb? Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? Who is a president? Who is a president? He is um, a president. It's true. I, I thought his uh, I thought his impression was great. I thought there were some parts where I think it, as the first show he was possibly getting a little bit nervous and doing the like there was points where he was getting kind of high pitched, but I think yeah. that's also kind of his take on on how Trump acts. And yeah, there are him differentiating himself a little bit. That's really the hallmark of his impression is when when Trump tries to talk like a regular guy. Yeah. And that's kind of what he does best, Anthony. (laughs) He's talking to Mike Pence, and Mike Pence just keeps referencing, uh, he's really the cinnamon on the oatmeal. (laughs) What are you sponsored by? (laughs) Cinnamon? I didn't. I didn't know that about the uh, about the American flag. About how when it's upside down, that's an American symbol for distress. Uh-huh. Did and you know that Donald J. Trump is a president? <laughs> he is a president. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thank you for pointing that out. Oh. But it's interesting because the upside down American flag is also the symbol of House of Cards, which is tr- certainly about distress. Interesting. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought his interview with. Keith Olbermann was really good. Do you like? Are you up on Keith Olbermann? No, was he on ESPN? I think so. Yeah, he was like a sports reporter for a really long time, right. and then he did. I think maybe before sports reporting, he was like a proper journalist. Okay, and then he did a long uh, segment of his career with sports, and now he's into politics again. But his his show, his main thing, is on the GQ website. And yeah. I, actually, I actually watch them all the time because I find are they them, good? I find them hilarious. Nice. Um, well, he just does these like 10 minute rants about what's going on in the American political system. Mm-hmm. And I find them funny because he's so angry in them. Oh, really? He like gets red in the face and he has a vein popping. And really? He gets so, he raises his voice. He is so physically emotional about Trump being the president. Wow. That seeing him like laugh on this sketch show was so weird because I haven't seen him calm in a long yeah. time. Wow. And, and it's funny because they always kind of had the same tone of, interviewees like they had matt Mm. tabby or tabby yeah um from rolling stone like the you know hard-hitting kind of left-wing they had him on president show yeah oh okay he was on like episode 10 um i was kind of looking through the list and it's the quintessential kind of john stewart slash stephen colbert style list yeah the very idea of the show is is clever because the idea that Trump would turn the Oval Office into a soundstage for a late night talk show really plays to the idea that Trump only wanted to do this for the fame and adoration. Right. right? And Mike Pence says, uh, it's really an honor being here. He's like, you don't think it's an honor. You think I'm a disgusting pig. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He it wasn't was a character to I, say that. I thought the whole Streeter thing was super funny, too. When he's he's like, Jerry, 
Jerry, help me down off this curb. <laughs> and then he's like slowly like working his way off. And, the, and then the clip of him eating various Just amounts of grossest, fast food. The grossest fast food. I think I'm going to be sick. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Just picks up another burger. And what about when he went into Trump Tower and the doorman was like really nice to him and they had to blur out the doorman's face? Yes. That was odd. Well, I think that was part of the joke that he didn't really address the black guy at all. Oh, I didn't get that. I kind of just missed part of it and and looked again and and thought that might have been the. I was just distracted by the idea that this doorman might not know the difference. Right. Oh, interesting. Which isn't true, but yeah, I thought it was great. I I think, like I've said before about impressions, especially like really over the top clownish impressions. Yeah. Um, you can overdo them. You can over ripen them. Yeah. Like the the Alec Baldwin one. You can do it to the point where it's not really uncanny anymore. After listening to his podcast, it makes me like the show more. The one with uh, with yeah, on, sorry, on Pete Holmes with Pete Holmes, yeah. yeah. And listening to how he did UCB, um, how he did UCB classes and was the teacher, and also how he toured with James Adomian for the year doing the Trump versus Bernie stuff. Right. And he just did such a good job anytime I heard him being Trump on like a podcast or something. That podcast revealed your suspicions to be true that he probably was at some point uh, in line to play the president on SNL. Yeah. And that that kind of got snagged away from him. And it seems like he and Alec Baldwin, though they're not like outwardly feuding, are not exactly cool either. Yeah. And I don't know the roots of that. Well, I think, like we've said before, I think Alec Baldwin resents that there are other people out there being celebrated for their Trump impression, which is so silly because... Multiple people were Trump before him. Well, and there was always a few Bushes. And like, right. if somebody is that famous and that ridiculous, right. there's going to be a lots, of, lots of impressions. Yeah. And, and also, Alec Baldwin's... He's going to be known for his impression going forward, but it's very like... <sighs> yeah. Duh. And and Anthony Antamanak has like a totally different, it's totally different. different spin on it. Uh, Alec Baldwin's going to be in the live broadcast of A Few Good Men. Wow. You know how NBC or whoever it is <laughs> tries to do these live broadcasts. They do these time. live plays, but like they're going to do uh, like American dramas now, in addition to musicals. And they're going to do A Few Good Men, and I guess he's going to play the Jack Nicholson character. Yeah, I would assume. I guess. Yeah. What else would it be? Yeah. Not the Tom Cruise. Who's going to play the Tom play Cruise side? Kevin Big. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Tom Cruise. I was going to say maybe Tom Holland. Maybe Tom Holland will do it. Have you seen Spider Man? No. Man, I saw Spider Man. Yeah. It was amazing. Okay. I wow. saw I saw Big Sick. Okay. It was amazing. Right. I saw Baby Driver. It was my favorite movie of the year. Wow. And now I got to see Dunkirk. Now you got to see Dunkirk. It seems like I'm going to enjoy that a lot too. So we weren't talking about it, but I saw Dunkirk before coming here. Yeah. And, uh, it was amazing. I was so happy that I saw it. It was, it's uh, just like, it. I need to watch war movies all the time because it just makes you feel so grateful, right? And also appreciative of old people that fought in the wars. Have you seen Band of Brothers? Oh yeah, I yeah. Know. I loved Band of Brothers. Really? Did, you, have, did you watch Band of Brothers? No, man. I'm not sure I can handle it. See, this is the thing. Like a lot of war movies and TV shows have a lot of really graphic scenes in them, and I don't think Dunkirk does. Does it? No, surprisingly not. And no. it still did a great job of, yeah. of stressing you out. <laughs> no, I, I can be stressed out. I just don't want to have to see someone's face get torn off. Or right. Something. No, you don't. You don't see any of that. And uh, but like as far as anxiety goes yeah. through the movie, 
it basically starts within the first 20 seconds. You're mm. like, oh, God, okay, we're in it. Like, right. Whew. I heard one it's of, very loud. One of the people I was there with had to leave because they got nauseous. Oh, wow. But it wasn't because of gore or anything. It was just because of the movement. And we were seeing it in IMAX. Yeah. There were a lot of, you're in the plane, you're chasing the other plane. And so how does it stack up against these these films that are kind of what Christopher Nolan is known for, which are like mind melters. These, these movies that really like bend your perception of reality, like Inception and Interstellar and Memento and The Prestige. They play these with movies with tremendous twists behind them. So I would say it's, it's a standalone movie in that way, but okay. it does play with timeline in a, in a really interesting way Okay, and, and different aspects of the Dunkirk evacuation. Right. Um, that, it, it was just really interesting and not not done usually in a war movie. So I was a, I was a big fan. But it's a true story. It's a true story, and it was it, it like it was also so unconventional because there's not a whole lot of fighting back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like for the most part, the the English troops are just sitting ducks. Okay. So they're kind of like just at the mercy of people missing them with bombs and right. troops not shooting them. And it, it's absolutely insane. I'm really ignorant about the whole history behind it. Yeah. Do you ever listen to Hardcore History? No. That's oh, pretty crazy. Dan, podcast? Car- Dan Carlin does his podcast f- maybe like once or twice a year where he'll just put so much time and effort into addressing, like he's done one on the like Genghis Khan oh, cool. regime. He's done one on like World War One. World War Two. Mm-hmm. He's done one on. Um, well, he's done a whole series called the Doomsday Clock or something. Okay. Um, which is essentially just all of the wars and why they happened and right. Yeah, but it's just like really well researched and put together. Very well. Researched. Have you been listening to the new? Uh, he, he was on. Um, uh, sorry, he was on. Uh, G- Rogan. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been on Rogan a few times. Have you been listening to the new Revisionist Histories? Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to one this morning, actually. I didn't listen to the second last one, so I got to go back. I haven't listened listen. to any of the new ones. Oh, they're good. Yeah. Really good. Have I told you how my dad has totally adopted podcasts? Like, no. He, he doesn't just listen to our podcast, but like he listens to all of the big podcasts, like This American Life. And like he asked me the other day if I had heard the most recent Marin. I was like, really? who are you? This is so weird. He's like, man, so the interview didn't even start for 14 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. You'll get used that's, to it. That's the way it always is. Yeah. Just basically hit fast forward for 14 minutes. No, listen to it. You'll learn to love it. Really? Yes. What are you, crazy? Yeah, no. Mark, Mark I, talking? I never listen to it. Well, you should. This yeah. is, you, you. yeah, you haven't learned to love it because you haven't given it a chance. But no, a lot of the times it's like, and uh, Squarespace, uh, I gotta thank our friends at Squarespace. I skip the ads. And, uh, He's gotten very efficient with the ads. Really? They're 45 seconds okay. tight. And then it goes into 12 minutes of him just talking about stuff? Talking about what's going on in his life. Uh, He's a very know, grateful, positive person. Now. Got another cat. Uh, <laughs> happy to be in this garage. Uh, just trying my best in here, man. The show's working out. <laughs> yeah. This is my podcast. I am in your ear. Thank you for listening. We are doing this. <laughs> Does he say that? He has such a hard time starting the show. <laughs> Whether you're at the gym, cleaning, driving, out for a run, at work, his, his list that he starts <laughs> the show with. That's what I, like, that's why I keep... I love it. Honestly, I fast forward 15 seconds. I do the 15 second roll. It's like, 
in the in the back seat of a car, vacuuming <laughs> the back seat, the second the right part on the mat. Uh, uh, I love it. What else? I think it's great. I think yeah. it's good. I think that's our podcast for the week. I think that's it. We'll try and get back on a weekly routine now that things are settling down. Mm-hmm. A tad. Let's do it. Okay. Regularly. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs>